Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. We're less than two weeks away from the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Squads are being announced as we speak, last minute visas being arranged, and most importantly, the cum dog, Jason Cummings, is going to the finals. Um, while we couldn't get an exclusive with the Central Coast Mariners and Socceroos striker ahead of the tournament, we have got the next best thing. Stephen Ganavas joins me once again alongside Lou Davies, and I think I'm right in saying you're two of the world's leading experts on the UEFA Youth League this season. Uh, certainly not the Europa Youth League. Um, gents, welcome back to the pods. How are we both? Very well, thank you, Joe. Uh, yes, it's been a lot of fun covering the UEFA Youth League again so far this group stage. Plenty of good games, uh, a lot of players stepping up from last year and, and impressing again, and also some new faces. So, yeah, lots to cover. Yeah, all good on my end. Um, obviously a bit apprehensive about Wales now coming up into the World Cup, but um, in terms of the Youth League, another good group stage. Quite enjoyed it and, uh, yeah, keen to talk about it. So yeah, this week we'll be tackling the UEFA Youth League uh, now that the group stage is done and dusted. Uh, It's not a competition which has a huge following, um, but in our unbiased opinion, we think it definitely should. uh, And those that do follow it are very engaged with it. Um, Lots of players and coaches who've earned their spurs in the Youth League have gone on to make material contributions in the UEFA Champions League proper. So, you know, come on, pay attention. Lou, Steve, you've been compiling match day reports on the Patreon, on the Scouted Patreon each game week, and that will continue. Um, covering multiple games, picking out your favourite players. How's this year's competition been? Yeah, it's been great. It's you know the, the these tournaments are fun, lots of goals, uh, interesting new players. But yeah, in comparison to senior football, it's quite a different game. Obviously, the defensive side. It's probably a little bit underdeveloped in term uh, compared to the attacking and, and midfield talents. So I uh, get a bit more end-to-end action, a bit more open spaces for for really skilled players to exploit. But uh, yeah, just as exciting as always and uh, some really good new teams popping up uh, as well as some of the established, expected good teams. Uh, but yeah, bring on the bring on the knockout rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um... Youth, uh, youth football always has that tendency to uh, throw up some surprises. So uh, the teams that you think would be favourites going into it aren't always don't always turn out to be so. Um, I think there's a couple of examples in this year's uh, competition so far, which which back that up. But yeah, as Stevie says, it's always good fun. The games ebb and flow so much, given the uh, given how um, given the youth of the players, uh, they're not quite as developed as the senior players, obviously. So they uh, can't quite control the games as they as they perhaps should be able to in 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 coming years but um yeah it's always good fun and we had plenty of fun following it um so for anybody who who hasn't listened to our previous episodes on the youth league or hasn't engaged with the the patreon stuff um, and isn't aware of what the youth league is and, and what the competition format is or even some of who the past winners are um could you could you enlighten us on sort of what the um what what the youth league looks like from a, a competition standpoint yeah so Basically, you have a group stage, which essentially mirrors the Champions League group stage. So, for example, uh, Spurs, Marseille, Sporting and Eintracht were all in a group together uh, with the games mirroring the the um, senior teams matches. But then you also have a domestic champions path. So that's actually the uh, under-19 champions of each res- uh, respective nation also enter a knockout draw. Uh, so in that side of the draw, you've got teams like AZ Alkmaar, Hibernian, uh, Young Boys from Switzerland, uh, and and they all uh, face off in a completely separate side of the draw against each other. Uh, before then, in the knockout rounds, the second place teams from the group play 
off against a team from the domestic champions paths and eventually it converges into a into a traditional round of 16 uh, and obviously up until the 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 finals weekend in neon in switzerland so a little bit of a complicated system but it throws up some really interesting teams that you wouldn't normally see especially from the domestic champions paths for example last year we had empoli making a really strong run i think to the round of 16 or the quarterfinals where they lost to to borussia dortmund um yeah this year for example is hibernian uh az alkmaar who normally do quite well in in the netherlands uh panathinaikos from greece Hajduk split from croatia so uh, yeah, kind of more interesting teams. I think last year, for example, Zilina from the Czech Republic beat Inter uh, coming through the domestic champions path. So uh, yeah, a lot of these teams are actually surprisingly strong and the games are generally more even at this level than they are between uh, the same teams at senior level. So yeah, it's good to, to throw in some additional teams that you wouldn't expect and, and sometimes they throw up a few surprises as well. Yeah, so the uh, in the four team groups in the group stage, um, obviously you've got group winners who progress to the the round of sixteen, the traditional round of sixteen, just as they would in the Champions League, uh, and it is the teams who finish second in uh, those groups who go on to play the winners of the, um, the the teams, the domestic champions teams from that sort of pathway of the tournament. Um, so, for example. <clears throat> You've got um, young boys who were not in this season's Champions League proper. Um, they, their under eighteen or under nineteen team won their domestic league, um, so they qualified for the domestic champions path in the youth league this year. They will play um, FC Red Bull Salzburg's under nineteens uh, because they finished second in their group, um, and then the winners of those ties will then go into the round of sixteen proper, as you said. Um, but yeah, looking at sort of the um, what you were saying there about um, teams maybe causing a bit of a surprise, there there hasn't been a great deal of variation in terms of the the group winners. You know, you look at the list: Liverpool, Atletico, Barcelona, Sporting, Milan, Real Madrid, Man City, and PSG. You look at those teams and you think they are the the ones that you perhaps expect to be to be winning um, the uh, their the respective youth league groups. Um, and similar similar case with the runners up, you know the likes of you know your Ajax, Porto, Inter, Eintracht, um, Salzburg, Shakhtar, Dortmund, and Juve. Um, has there are there any teams who um, didn't qualify for for the round of sixteen or the sort of the round of thirty two, if you'll have it, um, that that maybe surprised you in, in how how much they faltered? Yes, so the one for me was Bayern München. Um, I thought they would be one of the favourites coming into it. I thought they had a really strong, uh, not just a team, but a squad as well, which is quite important in in this competition to have those players to come up uh, if if others are out or if others go up to the, um, to higher levels. Um, they were out in the group stage. They ultimately uh, lost out to Barcelona, which is no shame in itself because they look like a really strong team this year. But not to qualify ahead of Inter and uh, Victoria Pulsen, who they couldn't beat uh in either of the legs uh in either of the games group stage games was um a bit of a shock to me i think if you look at this bayern team on paper it should be one of the competitors they have paul vanner arion ibrahimovic uh they have two good center backs in uh, justin Jan- uh, janicek and tarek buchmann buchmann was a standout for us at the uh, under 17 euro for germany uh, as were Vanner and Ibrahimic to some extent. But um, yeah, on paper, Bayern looked like one of the strongest teams coming into it. But as uh, as it played out on the pitch, uh, Victoria Pulsen actually beat them 
away from home, which is a pretty famous victory for Pulsen as an entire club, not just not just as the youth team. But uh, yeah, for Bayern not to qualify, I was uh, I was a bit surprised. Yeah, for me it was oh, just to add on Bayern. I, I don't even think it was that they you know kind of just didn't qualify. They were actively like quite bad yeah. through yeah. a lot of the group stage. I watched a couple like both their games against Barcelona and they really really struggled. Even though it is a quite a strong. Barcelona team. The other team I would probably touch on as a surprise that they didn't go through is Benfica, who obviously won the competition last year. Uh, there was two really important ties uh, against Juventus. The first one, they were 1 0 up, uh, a man up, and conceded a late equalizer. And then the second game, uh, they were 2 0 up and eventually went on to lose that one 3 2 against an interesting Juventus team. But this, yeah, this Benfica team had quite a few returning players from from last season plus a few uh, exciting new additions uh, someone like Hugo Felix played a much bigger role this year than he did last year Diego Moreira stuck around and, and was ever present in this team but you know didn't quite hit the, the level that he did last season when when they won so yeah they're probably the two major ones uh, I think a team like Chelsea you always expect to go through but I believe that they were fielding quite a, a young team pretty regularly within uh, this group stage. So, yeah, they weren't able to make it. But, uh, yeah, still an exciting batch of teams that, that did go through. Uh, and uh, hopefully Juventus can go one better and actually win the thing this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll get on to sort of the, the teams that did go through and the, and the players who, who got through in those teams because that's what a lot of people will be interested in hearing because, you know, you look at sort of the, the alumni of this competition. I mean, even just looking at last year, you know, you had the likes of, of, of Xavi Simmons, who's doing very well at, at PSV Eindhoven this season. Um, Warren Zaire Emery for, for PSG last year in the Youth League, who um, I, I know is a, is a favourite of ours at Scouted. And, you know, even the likes of James McAtee, who was playing for, for Manchester City's under-19s in this competition and now is playing regularly for, for Sheffield United in the Championship, which shouldn't be underestimated, is a, is a, is a huge step up. Um, and don't forget but, Fabio Miretti as well at Juventus. Of course, yes. Yeah, Fabio Miretti, who's obviously playing weekly at, at Juve as well. Was was Fagioli playing in this competition last year or was no, he no, just he a little was, bit too old? He was playing in the under a Cremonese in Serie B. And then there's also Antonio Silva at Benfica playing yeah. last year who stepped up yeah. and been really, really impressive for, in the senior team. See, there you go. They're just reeling up. They're just rattling off the tongue. Like, there's just so many. <laughs> um, but yeah, for in terms of players, um, now the, the the list that I had initially was was very sort of goals heavy because uh, for someone who didn't uh, watch as many of the games as, as you guys did, um, just going through the statistics and, and having a look and see see who was who was a standout figure in, in the numbers is probably the easiest thing to do when planning for this pod. But um, I've been I've been reliably informed that the, there should be some <laughs> other names in there, thanks to the pair of you. Um, I do want to begin with one of the well, I think it is the top scorer in this year's competition um, because I've seen his name popping up on the on the Patreon on those match match week or game week uh, roundups quite frequently, uh, and that's Ilyas Husni, who has eight goals in six appearances, so played all six group games um, for PSG and has scored eight goals. Um, I mean, Blue, I, I presume you're you're the, the man to talk to about Husni. Uh, yeah, I probably am. Um, I absolutely love him. Um, from the first minute, probably that I, I watched him in that in that five three win against Juventus in the opening game, uh, I was I was uh, is, is smitten the word. Uh, I think no. it is. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Bes- besotted. 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 Yeah. Besotted. I'd go with yeah. any of those. Yeah. Straight away, he just he just looks so good. Like he's such an interesting profile of player. He's quite small and slight. He has like this big long, uh, big long hair and like a and like quite a scraggy beard already at seventeen. But um, just the way he plays just catches the eye straight away. It, it, it's so engaging. Like um, obviously, as you say, he scored eight goals, which is a, a really good return from six games. But he also got two assists as well on top of that. But um, yeah, he's quite small and slight, but he's athletic. He's acrobatic, which is a, which is a nice little uh, quirk of his game. But he also has that um, intelligence and technique. So um, basically, he played as the as the point centre forward for for PSG. Uh, in some ways, replicating the role that Xavi Simmons played last season. But um, yeah, he was a bit more diverse than Simmons was in terms of how he could play. Uh, he was really good at dropping in to to link play. He was very efficient in his actions, but he also had that speed on the other end to to stretch in behind defences. And the thing I really liked about him was um, just that variation in the timing of his movements. So he, he knew when to drop in and, and make like an overload in in deeper areas. But he also had the the nous to to know when just to, just to hold his position and and spring off the shoulder and uh, yeah a lot of his goals came from those sort of situations where he was hanging on the last man just uh, pouncing into space onto a good through ball and the way he finished his chances was was really competent really composed um, but yeah I think Husni for me probably the standout of the entire group stage I I I really really like him and. Uh, yeah, I think he has already just signed his his first professional contract at PSG, which is quite a big moment for him, and it's something that PSG haven't really uh, been capable of doing with with their other standouts. But um, yeah, Husni, one of the standouts for me, definitely. Now, I was informed that the the player that I had next on the list was was not the one that we should be discussing from Barcelona. That was Victor Barbera, who scored seven goals <laughs> in four games. Um, but Steve, you told me that it should actually be Angel Alacon who we should be discussing. Now, he's not someone who, who I'd come across previously. Um, can you uh, can you enlighten us on why why you're so adamant that he should be the one that we discuss? Yeah, well, firstly, my first point, and I, I probably, people that have read our uh, pieces on Patreon will probably get sick of me saying this. Just, just in terms of big number nines at this level playing in good teams, you have to just be really careful about kind of associating goal count with quality because we've seen time and time again players roll through at this level, score lots of goals, and not really be as good as that goal tally might suggest. Not to say that uh, Victor Barbera couldn't be that good because he did look tidy in the couple of times I watched him. Uh, but Alakon really impressed me. Uh, as kind of like a, a he, the first time I saw him play, he was playing as a left winger, you know, kind of a wide forward role. And then in the last game against Bayern Munich, he played more as a striker and was really, really impressive in both. I think the the wide forward role kind of gets the the best out of his physical attributes, the the speed and the acceleration and ability to to create his own shot. Uh, kind of a, a similar way to someone like JD Gussamer was last season. I think these style of players it's kind of like the martinelli role uh it's just going to become more and more popular these wide players uh with that speed with that directness and that ability to to go through on goal uh is going to be yeah and it's kind of a not very barca style of player but i think we're going to see uh much barca more of it style of play and then <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah as a striker he showed really really good goal now <laughs> in the in the um final uh, sorry second last group game uh, against Bayern Munich and, and should have scored a hat-trick in that game. Uh, but yeah, really showed some interesting penalty box poacher 
instincts, uh, some first-time finishes, all that kind of thing that that shows you could probably suit uh, a role down the middle. And with the variation in his game, there's probably some good potential for him to to develop a quite diverse uh, skill set. Not quite in the same way as someone like a Ilias Husni, but uh, you know, as a player that gets likes to get in behind, but then can can dip into the channels and, and do interesting things in those spaces as well. So. Yeah, in a, a really, really fun Barca team, he was a big standout for me. There's probably three or four others from that team as well that you could pick out yeah, and yeah. say, geez, they look like they could have a pretty strong senior career. But yeah, he was a, a notable uh, star of that team. Just to touch on just to touch on a couple more from Barca, I think it's it's uh, pertinent to mention that a couple of them have already stepped up to the senior squad. Um, so Marc Casado, I know Steve is a big fan of him. He made his debut in, the I think it was the last... Uh, group stage game for for Barca's first team. Um, Chadi Riyad, I, I watched him come on last night late as a substitute against Osasuna for the first team. Uh, and yeah, uh, as Stevie said, there's three or four more that you could probably pick out. And should also mention Lamine Yamal as well, uh, a 2000 bo- uh, 2007 born talent. He's already um, uh, trained with the senior squad. Uh, on a regular basis, he looks really good in his limited. I think he played about 150, 160 odd minutes. Uh, but yeah, he basically uh, coming off the bench, but he, you could see his talent straight away, and he's already been called up f- to the uh, under 19 Spain squad. I actually would like to just touch on Casado. I think if Busquets leaves at the end of the season, I think he could have a really, really, really big role uh, in the senior team next year. We watched him for the first time last year, and he immediately stood oh. out. Played like one or two games in the youth league this year. Absolutely bossed the game. Uh, and from then on, has basically been hanging around the fringes of the senior team. So uh, I think there's a lot more that we're going to hear about him and probably yeah, two or three others from this team as well. Yeah, La Masia keeps La Masia-ing, Um, I think it's fair to say. Um, on to the, the next player on, on the list. And um, uh, again, it was one which I had to seek advice uh, from, from you guys on. Um, but because I, I had had the privilege of watching a couple of Liverpool's games in um, in this uh, this year's edition of the competition, um, it was uh, it was very nice to see that that Oakley Kananier, uh, a striker for Liverpool, um, who also happened to be uh, corner taking quickly ball boy um, from uh, the the famous Liverpool comeback against Barcelona many seasons ago, or rather three seasons, three or four seasons ago, um, at Anfield. Um, he has been banging the goals in, but he's not the headline Liverpool player from this team. And, and I can agree with you on this one. Um, and that's Ben Doak, who signed this summer from from Celtic. Um, he's been playing, I think he's been playing up for the 21s for Scotland um, yeah. most recently. And he just does look very, very good. You know, he's very dynamic. He likes to, to take his man on down the line. Um, technically very adept. Uh, and especially at this level, when you see a player who is, very, very competent, you know, makes good decisions consistently, yeah. that does stand out. Um, and I agree with you, Lou, that um, the, the headline for, for Liverpool or the, the key player for them uh, certainly has to be Ben Doak. Yeah, so from uh, from the start, this Liverpool team is is significantly better than, than last season's team. Last season's team reached the quarterfinal, I think, uh, before losing to whoever it was. Might have been... I, I Juventus. Juventus, there we go. Uh, but yeah, that team flattered to, de- to deceive a bit, but this one looks a bit more serious. Um, ben Doak is a big reason for why. Um, as you said, it's it's really interesting to see a young player uh, have that sort of 
um, that intelligence and nous from the off at this level. Um, the thing that I, the word that I keep uh, coming back to to, to describe him is clear cut. I think uh, he, his just like his whole decision making process just seems really, really direct, really assertive. He knows what he wants to do with the ball and he executes the action, uh, which is which is really interesting for a player at this level. Um, but yeah, beyond that, he's got quite a quite a stocky physique, very uh, very strong lower body, which is which could definitely play at a senior level right now. I think. Um, and that affords him that sort of balance, that speed, that that strength in contact as well, just to be that that all round wide forward profile that he is. And another little quirk is that he's a right footer playing on the right wing predominantly, so that that's quite fairly rare. But um, he's not a, he's not like he's not a touchline hugging winger. He's a guy that comes in off off the line, comes in and attacks the box. And uh, yeah, we saw it regularly for. For, for Liverpool throughout the group stage, he he uh, consistently impacted games. I think the first game that he played was against Napoli away, and he just absolutely terrorised their left back. Uh, scored a goal, set up another, and uh, yeah, that sort of set the tone for the for the whole group stage. And yeah, Ben Doak has been a big player, one of the standouts again for for the entire group stage. I think. Just on that that point about physicality and how you think he could be. Um... You know, suitable for, for for senior football at this at this stage. He's he's obviously a similar size to Harvey Elliott, or you know, like a Ryan Kent, for example. Um, who I think you know, it's fair to say they they do well enough um, physically at, at yeah. uh, Premier League and Scottish Premiership level. Um, but also on on the topic of senior football, uh, a little birdie does tell me, and I might this might be incorrect, but <laughs> little birdie tells me. Um, but I do I do trust my source on this. Um, a little birdie tells me that. Uh, one of the other players from this UEFA Youth League team at Liverpool could actually be uh, be featuring for Liverpool's senior team tonight uh, in the Carabao Cup. Uh, that is Bobby Clark, son of Lee Clark, uh, former Newcastle, Sunderland, Fulham uh, midfielder. Um, and it's not just because he's the son of a, a former footballer that he's a standout in this Liverpool team. He's actually very, very good. You know, again, we're talking about physicality. He can very much hold his own, uh, gets stuck in on and off the ball uh, if needs be. Um, he is very, um, he, he likes to make those passes through lines, but he can also carry it well. Um, yeah. I, I, I've been very impressed by him. Same. It was the first time that I watched him uh, this season. And uh, yeah, from the off, he, he caught the eye. I think um, he has a really rangy physique, which straight away stands out. Um uh, apparently he's had a bit of a growth spurt in the last year or so. And you could sort of see that in his game, that he's still learning how to use his body a little bit. But um, in terms of that physical potential, I the, get the, the player that I keep coming back to is Jordan Henderson. I think in uh, maybe five or six years, that's the sort of player he will resemble the most in terms of physicality, that sort of hard running, uh, big work rate uh, runner between both boxes. But um, yeah, Bobby Clark, uh, the thing that I also liked about him was he has quite an assertive technique. So Liverpool pressed high, which is uh, which is to be expected. But once they won the once they uh, turned over the ball in good areas, Bobby Clark was often the one that played that pass to kickstart the attack. He has like this punchy technique through lines, and uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised to see him uh, already being involved at senior level. Um, I think he. he He's already made his uh, first team debut. I think he came off the bench against uh, against Bournemouth in the Premier League in that nine one victory or wherever it was. And uh, yeah, based off his youth league, uh, he has a big future. 
And he's not the only um, son of a former footballer in this Liverpool Youth League team, is he? Um, I can't say no. I know very much more about Lewis Kumas, but um, Lou, I think you're you're much better placed to discuss uh, the, the the spawn of Akumas. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, fun to see uh, Jason's son. Obviously, Jason used to play Premier League level and and, and for Wales, uh, Louis. Uh, I think it's spelled as Lewis, but I think he wants to be called Louis. So, um, yeah, he uh, he was a he was an impact player basically for Liverpool coming off the bench, uh, a, a centre forward, quite dynamic in his movements and stuff, and uh, didn't really see much of him. And there's also another another son of a, of a former Premier League player, which is uh, Mena Figueroa's son as well. So that's a, another little interesting quirk. That one had completely passed me by. That's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely love that you've got an ex-Honduran international son playing for Liverpool's youth team. Um, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, moving back on to sort of the the, the players on the continent um, and sort of two on my, my, my short list uh, that, that weren't shot down, thankfully, thanks to you two, um, were Ismail Garbi and Karim Konate. Um, Steve, I don't know if, if you watched too much, too much of, of these two, but um, sort of just looking at the statistics side of things, you know, Kanate uh, for Salzburg, he got five goals in six appearances in the group stage this season, but perhaps more, I don't know, I wouldn't, I'm not sure whether it's in more important, um, but certainly um, something which, which bears mentioning is that he also has nine goals in 13 appearances for, for FC Liefering, which is Salzburg's satellite club in the, um, the second tier of Austrian football. Um, we've seen previously the likes of, you know, Sesko and, and Adeyemi score goals in, in fits and starts for um, for Liefering and then make the, the transition to the first team. Um, Konate has scored goals, you know, plenty of them uh, um, at ASEC in uh, Ivory Coast, where he was signed from before he made the jump to European football. Uh, and he seems to be doing the same in pretty much whatever competition uh, that, he's, that he is um, since making the move. Yeah, it's a classic Salzburg story, I guess. Uh, they've, they've clearly got this pathway for players that they've seen work before and they're going to keep doing it for into eternity probably and keep churning out uh, absolute gun strikers. Uh, yeah, Kanate debuted for Ivory Coast at 16, was absolutely dominating at continental and uh, local level uh, in the Ivory Coast before uh, making the jump to, to Salzburg. And I have seen murmurings of people complaining that, you know, he's played for Ivory Coast. He's played at such a high level in Africa. Why is he going through uh, this process of playing in the second division in Austria? But I think, as as alluded to, Salzburg have their process and he's still 17, I believe. Uh, I, I think that putting a player through this betting in period, letting them actually score quite a few goals and kind of get that confidence up and, and get that like positive mood going after making such a big jump across the continent at, at that age, I think is a good thing. Um, and eventually he'll step up into the senior team when Sheshko leaves and he'll be a key player and he'll score lots of goals. So uh, yeah, he's really interesting. Uh, just just the athleticism uh, at his age, really, re- I only watched one game of him against Milan in the final group stage. He didn't score, but uh, he was really, really impressive in a, in a big duel with uh, the Serbian centre-back Jankalo Simic. Yeah, his athleticism hits the channels, but then he's got an absolute rocket of a, of a right foot when he's given a, a bit of space. Uh, probably should have scored two or three in that game, but was denied by a couple of bits of, of good goalkeeping. Uh, but yeah, really excited to see more of him. He scored a bunch of goals in the group stage. He's got a hat-trick against Chelsea. 
So he clearly knows how to how to put the ball in the back of the net. He didn't do it on on the occasion that I saw him, but yeah, excited to to see him make that step up. And I'm sure he's going to be a a big hit and probably the next big Salzburg striker we're talking about after Sheshko uh, departs his throne. Yeah, no, just to flesh out what Stevie was saying about the process. Um, I watched him in the in the second group stage game uh, away at Chelsea, and he sort of didn't know his role. He looked a bit lost at times. But then in the return leg where he scored a hat trick, you could see straight away that he had that understanding of the of the Salzburg system. Uh, he was hitting spaces really quickly. He was pouncing off those uh, high turnovers. Two of his goals were off um, uh, Salzburg winning the winning the ball in the Chelsea half, then immediately pouncing into into transition. The other one was a penalty. So um, yeah, that sort of validates the process a little bit. That that's why he's in uh, he's in at Leafring to learn that system to learn. Uh, obviously, a new language as well, a new culture, just to bed him in a bit more gently than than throwing him straight in at senior level. Where, um, as CB says, just just to get him to score goals, and that's exactly what he's doing. Um, Steve, you touched on um, Jan Carlos Simic there uh, at, in in that sort of little snippet about Karim Konate, um, and I'm conscious that we haven't discussed any defenders yet. Um, and Simic is, you know, quite a size for for the age that he is. Um, cost a million euros or there or thereabouts from Stuttgart uh, to sign for Milan uh, in the summer, um, and has you know reason has done reasonably well in the youth league as far as I can tell from from your two write ups. Um, what is it about him that that makes him sort of a standout? Because you know we haven't mentioned many defenders, and that's often because the as you said at the beginning, the defending side of things is is often underdeveloped. But why why is Simic a, a player that that is worth mentioning for you? Yeah, he's a player that we first kind of saw at the under-17 Heroes. Then he was still at Stuttgart. And obviously, Milan probably saw the same things that we did. He was really, really strong in a good Serbian team in that tournament. Uh, probably playing more as like a wide centre-back on the right or a, or a right-back in different phases. Uh, yeah, this this game uh, against Salzburg that he played against Kanate, was, he was probably the best player on the pitch. Uh, he's not super tall, but he probably could grow a little bit. And if he does, he's just an absolute monster physically. Uh, but he's kind of just really strong in all phases of the game, can step forward and be really aggressive, is really strong on the ball. Uh, but then he's also really, really smart, kind of playing a more sweeper role, reading the game. He was often covering Kanate's runs in behind and, and keeping him in check. So, yeah, there's not normally a huge number of nailed-on centre-back talents at this level. If I had to pick one from this tournament, it's either him or Jarrell Harto from from Ajax, who who looked really good as well. Uh, both playing a couple of years or a year or two under the, the the top age for this tournament, so they got plenty of time to continue developing in this level if they don't uh, step up straight away into senior level. But yeah, hugely impressive and uh, and one to keep an eye on. In, in terms of sort of some some of the other honourable mentions, then um, and just going back through some of the the Patreon write ups, you know, a few names stood out based on how you described them, um, and more more recently, Kenan Yildiz and, and Silvano Vos um, were were two names which which stood out. Lou, I don't know whether it was uh, it was your pen which which was uh, which was scribbling down those names, um, but I know how much you're you're fond of the the Ajax way of playing. So um, how about a little bit on Silvano Vos? Yeah, um, Silvano Vos is is a highly regarded young player at Ajax. Um, he was part of the of the Dutch uh, side that reached the the final of the under seventeen Euro this past summer. 
Um, he's big for his age. You can see that from uh, straight off the bat. Uh, quite mobile, athletic. Um, he can play a couple of different roles. He nominally plays as the as the, as the ball winning midfielder. He keeps things simple. Uh, he uh, he covers the right spaces. Um, he has been playing up for Young Ajax in in the Erste Divisie, the the Dutch second division. Recently, I think he's been playing at right back, which is quite interesting. Uh, which isn't. He hasn't really played at that level when I've watched him uh, at, in that position when I've watched him anyway. Um, but um, but yeah, a very solid player. And then perhaps the other one to to mention we've mentioned him on the podcast before is uh, Gabriel Mizahoy. Uh, he had another good tournament based off what I've seen. Um, just a a very high level talent in in Ajax midfield with uh, uh, creativity, skill. Uh, compactness as well, which is, I think is a key skill for for, for these emerging players. And uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, okay, so the pair of you, I'm going to ask for sort of quick fire questions now. Um, and I'm going to allow for a brief sort of explanation for this first one, um, because without context, it probably wouldn't make much sense, uh, especially not to those who didn't watch the games. But um, if you had to pick one single game, uh, from the group stage, which which was mm. the most entertaining, the one that you enjoyed the most, Steve. If you're going to pick a Juventus game, then I don't know what to do with you. Um, There's actually a good one though. See, uh, <laughs> it's just well, it's so predictable. In the last group game, PSG were four one up after 89 minutes, and, and Juventus scored three times in in stoppage time to to equalize four uh, four. So I'll probably pick that one. Oh, okay, right. that makes things easy then. Lou, we're going to you then. What was your game of the group stage? Um, ooh, the one that I enjoyed was, um, I think it was match day four when um, Spurs were at home to, to Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Spurs went 2-0 up through uh, a basically carbon copy goals with uh, Jamie Donnelly assisting Alfie Devine. Alfie Devine's obviously a, a high-rated player at Spurs and with uh, England's youth, youth set-up. And then um, Eintracht scored, uh, I think it was three goals in in less than 10 minutes straight after the uh, straight after half-time. Uh, and that was a key result for them in in, in getting out the groups, which is a, uh, a big achievement for Eintracht, given that this was their first ever season at youth level and, they, and they've... Um, They've beaten Spurs to second place, which is uh, which is good going for them. Actually, I, I'm going to pick another game as well. If you want me to do a non-Juventus one, uh, and I'm I, not I, even going to stop you at this point. I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm picking this. I'm, <laughs> complete disregard for the rules. I'm picking this just because I want to talk about them a little bit as well, and that's uh, Sporting. Uh, watch them beat Marseille six nil, and it kind of seems weird picking a favorite game as a as a six nil, but uh, yeah, this team is so much fun to watch. I think they're probably top two or three favorites to go on and win the the whole thing for me three players in particular uh, in that team were pretty dominant the whole group phase uh all coming off uh, a really strong portugal team in the under 17 euros and that's dario esugo afonso moreira and rodrigo ribeiro who uh yeah they dominated uh dario esugo in particular is probably the shining star of this team as a holding midfielder can just get an, get through an enormous amount of work, uh, but then can really bring it in the in the offensive part of the game as well. Uh, we've seen the ball striking that he's capable of at the under seventeen Euros when he scored a forty five yard thunderbolt. Uh, yeah, but but this whole team is really exciting. It feels probably one team that I would pick to watch if you get a chance to watch a, 
a knockout round game, I'd probably pick this team. One more for me as well, given that Stevie had one. Um, Honestly, I think you two. <laughs> both games between uh, Manchester City and Borussia Dortmund were were good going. I think. I think Joe, you watched maybe the uh, the first game of this one where City came back. Yes, I did. From yeah. two one down, and they went three two up in the ninety ninetieth and what was it ninety fourth. 92nd minute, apparently, uh, with Joel and Dalla scoring uh, a last-minute goal. And then in the away leg uh, for City, they drew 3 all, which was a, a couple of spectacular goals from uh, BFLB. And But yeah, I think just to touch on this Manchester City team as well, this is probably the be- their best ever team in, the, in, in, a, in a youth league context. Uh, they've got a really settled squad, with, with, uh, which is well-balanced across the pitch. They've got quality in key areas. Uh, and I think one of the standouts from the group stage again for me was uh, Shea Charles at, at the base of that midfield, the captain. He's already played multiple times for for Northern Ireland's senior team. He looks like a proper, uh, a very mature, uh, a, a very mature number six that can fill the right spaces, play the right passes, and he was key to this City team. And they definitely have a chance to at least reach the uh, the, the finals weekend. I think. You're going to get me in trouble with work if they find out that I've been watching youth league games during the middle of the day. <laughs> Come on, like, look out for a brother here. Um, in terms of the next um, quick fire question, um, it's the knockout ties. You knockout might need to now change it to that... slow fire questions at this point, but they're, <laughs> yeah, they're they're very long fire questions. These are like artillery questions um, because you're just going to like bombard me with every like just all the knowledge that you have. Um, the Knockout ties to look out for, and now I know that the um, sort of the, the group winners haven't been drawn against anybody yet. But I suppose this gives us a good opportunity to revisit sort of the the, the domestic champions' path and the the, the games that they're going to be um, the, the winners from those playoffs that play against the teams who finish runners up in the youth league group stage. Uh, and sort of just looking at the list here, I mean, one of them, well, two of them that are stand, uh, no, no, three of them that are standing out um, for me: Young Boys versus Salzburg. Um, Hibernian versus Dortmund and uh, Alkmaar, AZ Alkmaar versus Eintracht Frankfurt. Which one and, are you And Come on. Kiasi Genk. Kiasi Genk against Juventus. Thank you. Uh, whose side are you on, Lou? <laughs> <laughs> Kiasi Genk side. <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair, yeah, you are a big Genk That was a bait question as well, though. But no, that, that, that Genk team, they came through the domestic champions path last year and, and uh, did yeah. really well. They knocked Chelsea out of the competition. Uh, so yeah, this Juventus team is, is, is really strong as well. I think they, they struggled in the first group game, got torn apart by PSG, but from then on went to, to strength to strength. And uh, yeah, with some, some key acquisitions uh, to that team, uh, like uh, Kanan Yildiz, who's come in and, and played a key role. Uh, yeah, they look like the, there's some some senior ready players that are going to be coming through uh, in that team. So that'll be a really, really, really exciting tie. But yeah, plenty of plenty of quality. There. Again, Hibs is an interesting one just to come through uh, the domestic yeah. champions path after beating uh, Rangers Nantes. and Celtic is, is quite interesting. And then, uh, as you said, getting through through Nantes in the the last round of the domestic champions path. So it's not an easy road for these teams from the domestic champions path to to make it here. And theoretically, they're better than some of the other teams that uh, have made it from the, the, the normal Champions League group path. So, for example, Al- as an Alkmaar's team beat Ajax to make it to where they are, even though Ajax get the free pass into the group stage. So, yeah, lots of interesting ties and it's going to be a really fun second phase of the tournament. 
Yeah, for me, I think we touched on it already, but that Genk Juventus matchup is a is a really interesting one. If only because it's another chance, hopefully, to uh, watch Mika Gotts, who's a uh, a very exciting young talent coming through at Genk, uh, a left winger, high volume dribbler, plays with uh, really impressive poise and skill, and and he has that sort of uh, electric speed, and he brings it all together really nicely. Uh, so that'll be he'll be one to watch if he isn't with the first team squad by then, which which he very might be, uh, which he might well be. Um, Azel Alkmaar Eintracht that will be an interesting one. I I quite like this I, I this Eintracht team. They have a, a couple of good talents across the pitch, uh, and yeah, young boys Salzburg. I think any game involving Salzburg is often fun. But um, yeah, all and another one, MTK Budapest against Ajax. That's another interesting one. Uh, uh, MTK have. Uh, have done pretty well in 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 the youth league recently. They have a couple of good talents, I'm told. Uh, and this Ajax team, uh, they use their under 18s, not the under 19 squad. Uh, so yeah, they always have interesting players. So in short, it's pretty much every single tie <laughs> that we should be looking out for. Um, yes. So yeah, no, no, that, that's fair enough. It's, it shows that we've got passion for it, doesn't it? Just looking at that Genk team, actually. I know you're mentioning Mika Goetz, but. Um, from a purely non-analytical perspective, they have a player called Raf Smekens, which I think is the most Belgian name of all time. Uh, <laughs> and they've also got a young lad called Evan Rotundo, um, who I'm guessing isn't very rotund, considering that he plays on the left wing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, um, Genk, Juventus, I'm sorry. I apologize profusely for missing them out of my sort of selected um, UEFA Youth League playoff fixtures to, to keep an eye on. Um, and the final artillery question is uh, the 2022-23 UEFA Youth League predictions. Who do you think is going to win it? Who do you think is going to surprise in the knockout stage? Who do you think is going to be the player of the tournament? Can we pick a winner and the four teams we think will be in the finals weekend? Yes. I think the team that will win will be Barcelona. I think the teams that will make finals weekend will be PSG... Real Madrid, obviously Barcelona, and Sporting. What was the next one? The player of the tournament? Yes. I think the player of the tournament will be uh, Alex Garrido from Barcelona. And was there one more question? Um, no, I think you pretty much covered it there you in go. terms of who. You, yeah, uh, we're, we're gonna. It's gonna become a hybrid sort of. You know, who do you think will win the tournament? Who will be there at finals weekend? And who do you think will be the player of the tournament? Okay, so my selections are for the winner. I'm gonna pick two. <laughs> um, you can't have two. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, all right. I'll I'll, I'll pick be the, the final. final. I think the final will be Real Madrid against Barcelona. I think both uh, are really good. They've got quality across the pitch. Uh, they've absolutely breezed their way through the group stage. Obviously, that doesn't translate to to the knockouts. It's uh, it's much more a high wire thing. But um, I think they have the the ability to go uh, to the final. Um, I think Manchester City will reach finals weekend, and then. The other one is could be anyone. I think Sporting have a good chance. As Stevie said, they're a good team. I I sort of hope it's PSG just to see how uh, Husni would do at that level. Um, and yeah, if if PSG do reach finals weekend, I reckon Husni does have a have a good chance of being the uh, the player of the tournament. We know how um, 
in in times like this when when a player scores many many goals but maybe necessarily isn't the best player in the tournament that they are often named the best player so i think you've got a strong chance of that one um i'm thinking back to was it the under 20 world cup in 2019 who was the um i seem to remember there was sort of an injustice there in sort of the gold silver and bronze players um anyway I'm, i'm going off on a tangent but um yeah, is there anything else that either of you have got? I realise this might be a dangerous question to ask because it's going to give me a hell of a lot more to edit. <laughs> but is there anything that um, the pair of you have got with, with a burning passion that you want to, to discuss on, on this season's Youth League? Maybe, like, I don't know, where to watch it if you're in the UK or something like that? Yeah, so uh, the games are, are broadcast on UEFA.tv. There'll be a couple every every match day. They don't show every game, but obviously it depends in your region as well. So if you're if you're listening in in the USA or something or, or Europe, it might not be the same. It depends who has the uh, the broadcast rights. But in in the UK, uh, there's usually a couple on UEFA on UEFA TV and uh, BT Sport also cover the English teams. Uh, but yeah, just just once the uh, once the playoffs come around, try and watch them if you can. Obviously, it's it's difficult with the timings and stuff. But, but hey, uh, if you yeah, can't it's, watch it's always them, a good. Then you can sign up to our Patreon and read our roundups, and you'll have exactly all the information from uh, each game that we cover. There are two things that I can always rely on with you, Steve. It's that you'll bring up Juventus in a situation or a conversation in which Juventus has absolutely no place, <laughs> and also you'll be plugging the Patreon. Um, yeah. So it's it's refreshing to see that after a couple of weeks with you not on the podcast that you are as Stephen Ganavis as ever. <laughs> um, and I'm sure, I'm sure everyone wishes you a safe trip over to Qatar um, in the uh, in the coming weeks uh, as you're going to watch um, quite a few World Cup games, aren't you? Yeah, and uh, hopefully see the, the cum dog score a hat-trick against France would be uh, a good start. That would be an exceptional story. Um, and I only I can only imagine what his celebration would be um, if he did manage to score. So he's got yeah. the Joker the Joker tattoo on his hand. He does the he does like the Dybala mask, but he's got a Joker tattoo smile on his on his hand. So that's his, that's his trademark. But him and and Garen Quall together, the dynamic duo off the bench, I think could uh, could cause a few shocks. So uh, if you are looking for a scatter football approved player to watch at the uh, the World Cup, Garen Quall would be right up there. Yeah, Garan Garan Cool. Um fantastic young player, plays for one of the best teams in the world, or at least his own by the <laughs> <laughs> Um but yeah, thank you very much uh, for for tuning in to this week's episode of the Scouted Football Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed our chat on the UEFA Youth League. Um and yeah, I'd, I'd echo what the guys have said, you know, do keep an eye on the the playoffs and the knockout round um because you never know you might come across um, the next big thing um, and you'll be able to say I watched him first in the youth league and everyone will go what's the youth league and then you'll be able to serenade them with a 10-15 minute conversation just like Stephen <laughs> Liverpool today um, which they didn't want to hear but they will they will want to know after you've told them <laughs> um, but yeah thanks for tuning in to the Scouty Pod um, I've been Joe Donoghue uh, stay safe take care and bye for now